Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Meaty Medicine, uh, where two <laughs> blokes sit down and chew the fat over all things meaty in medicine. Uh, my name is uh, Dwayne Quadros. I'm a first-year medical student at the University of Melbourne, uh, and this is a bit of a new venture uh, for us, and by us, I mean it's not just myself. I'm going to throw it over to my other brother to introduce himself. Over to you, big guy. Hey guys, my name's Caven and I am Dwayne's friend uh, from the University of Melbourne. Uh, we're both uh, medical students at the University of Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we're, we've decided to start recording our study sessions because we're very collaborative learners, I'd say, mm-hmm. Dwayne. Mm-hmm. I'd and, say so. I'd say so. Yeah. And I think we learn things better just by sitting down and kind of having a yarn about them and hoping, you know, kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. That's it. Um, That's it. And it's, it's been it's been a, it's been a new thing for us, isn't it, Kevin? With uh, obviously medical school being a new thing, but also this year with the COVID switch uh, and going online, I guess people have have had to find new ingenious ways of studying and 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 just getting through the 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 mass that is medical school. Um, and so that's what we thought, you know, and, and, and uh, I think one thing we want to stress, Kevin, uh, to mm-hmm. our listeners, hopefully if there's any out there or just to ourselves. <laughs> to our parents, <laughs> to, to our, our parents. parents. Our parents are going to listen. Their parents are going to listen. Um, this is actually being beamed live to India as we speak. Um, no, but, <laughs> but um, the thing we want to point out, isn't it, Kevin, that look, we're here to tackle, and I load the statement with the high yield stuff uh, in medicine. Uh, we're, not, we're not here necessarily for those niche facts. Uh, we're not here just for the cherry on the on the top of the cake. We're here to actually talk about the cake itself. You know, we 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 are more substance than we are sizzle. Is that right? Mm, mm. Yeah, and I I think you dropped out there for a second for me, Dwayne. Oh. I guess we'll find I guess we'll find out who is in the <laughs> right there. But um, oh oh my god, my microphone just fell over. This is. <laughs> This is a tragedy. <laughs> what this? I hope this is not an omen for things to come. Um, no, no, no. It's been yeah. at the trip of the first hurdle than at the last. We've got four <laughs> years to get this right. Yeah, so I think the point we just need to make is, look, we're just having a conversation about men. Mm. Nothing to... We're not giving a lecture series here. No, no. Um, we're not always going to be right, and we're more than happy to be corrected. That's it. Uh, so if you notice... Uh, We've been disseminating lies. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we are more than happy for you to reach out. Um, but hopefully, if we do disseminate lies, it will only be to five or so people. That's it. So, that's, it. that's it. In Australia, yes. Yeah. Um, no, fair enough. Fair enough. And and that's the thing, isn't it, man? It's about. I would think sometimes in medical and medical studies and medicine in general, there just seems to be this illusion or this the sort of uh, thing that it needs to be in mass detail and you get lost in the mm. lost in the nitty gritty. Um, but as I think we're going to find out next year, as we've been finding out as we've been studying for our finals this year, is that it's impossible to know every small fact about everything, but it's better to have that big picture, that foundation, and then you can come in with your little thrills and fancies after that. Yeah, you could even say it's not really worth knowing, you know, all those little mm. grains of rice. Mm. It's about knowing the big steak. It's about the wow. meat. Wow. <laughs> that was, that was, that was, I was wondering where you were going there because I'm a better <laughs> man than you and I love my rice. So I thought you were just going to poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> the the bedrock of the Indian of the Indian people. Um, Look, no. I'll admit it wasn't the. It was a bit of a contrived metaphor. I was pulling it back towards the meaty medicine tagline. I really want it to work. Uh, <laughs> no, that's fair enough, man. Well, I'm talking about meaty stuff and talking about that high yield content. What, what what do you want to serve up on the grill of education today, big guy? Look, I think. As we are currently studying Neuroblock at the moment, it would be quite timely for us mm. to dive into stroke because I reckon that is one of the meatiest concepts in That's medicine. Meaty. That is meaty as they get. You're sure. You're quite, you're quite, I still, uh, we're still actually getting over this name, Meaty Medicine. I love it even more every time you say it. Oh, um, I know. It, it's something. Uh, so <laughs> how about we dive into stroke? So let's just start from the... You know, the very top. Dwayne, what is a stroke? 
Oh, look, I mean, I mean, uh, different settings, different circumstances, but in the, mm-hmm. I guess in the, in the, in the way of, uh, medicine and in, I guess, healthcare, uh, stroke is almost like, I used to think about stroke as a heart attack, but happening in the brain. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a very simplistic and, and for me, I like to keep things simple. It is a form of a cerebrovascular accident, the CVA that we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and essentially, as we get into and we talk about, you know, the stroke uh, situation, the pathophys of one type of stroke today, we're going to see that there are a lot of themes of commonality uh, between what actually happens in an acute myocardial infarction and what actually happens um, in a stroke. Because in one way or another, you're really getting to infarction through multiple mechanisms of your brain tissue as opposed to tissues of your of your myocardium. I entirely agree, Dwayne. Yeah. So in my perception, I think, you know, if you had to give a one sentence for what a stroke is, it's a disruption in mm-hmm. cerebral perfusion. That's it. And um, I think the thing we need to off the bat, mate, very clear, is there's kind of two overarching categories of stroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what they are, Dwayne? Oh, well, I, I'm a big fan of the ischemic stroke. That's, that's, right. one, that's one of my favorites. Um, and and that, that really is, is, is when you have, uh, in terms of talking about disruption, it's actually a blockage of the blood vessels uh, that mm-hmm. are supplying uh, the different regions uh, of the brain. And once mm-hmm. you have disrupted that, obviously, like akin to the heart or akin to any organ, to be honest, once you disrupt that blood flow, uh, with a blockage, you are going to get ischemia, uh, and that's going to lead to infarction and necrosis of the mm. tissue. What, what, what's your thoughts on the other type of stroke, mate? Um, yeah, so the other kind of stroke is called a hemorrhagic stroke, mm. and that is just a fancy word for saying that, you know, somewhere in your brain, a blood vessel has ruptured, mm. and because of that, you're bleeding into your head, yeah. um, but... What that also means is that, you know, your kind of uh, set of pipes throughout your head, uh, it's been disrupted and it means that some areas of your brain now aren't getting enough blood. So it still comes under that definition of, uh, you know, a disruption in cerebral perfusion. But in this case, instead of a blockage, Mm -hmm. it's actually because of a bursting of the pipes, which just messes up the whole you know, kind of intricate architecture of the brain's vasculature. No, fair enough, fair enough. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but, but I think for today's, obviously, like we said, you know, uh, brain, the brain always surprises me, Kevin, and the fact that uh, we sort of know so much about it because it's been the biggest block that we've studied this year, I think five weeks of, uh, mm-hmm. of content of which I've only covered one. Um, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, but, um, what really surprises me uh, with the brain is that there's just so many, so many things. The brain's quite vulnerable. You know, there's so mm. many different things that can affect it. And stroke is no different. So what we're going to do today, I think, mate, is that if we just zone in and focus on the ischemic stroke, uh, you know, and really, really get into the meat of that, because, because that, that, tends to be, that tends to be most people's, I guess, very basic understanding of stroke. You know, something's gone mm. blocked, the flow stopped the tissue dies. Um, so maybe if we just do that today and hopefully if there's enough, if, if there's enough buy-in and, or we want to indulge ourselves enough, we can do a second uh, situation or second podcast at some stage talking about the uh, hemorrhagic side of things. What do you reckon about that? Yeah, look, Dwayne, I'm so glad you've said that because yeah, I would say ischemic strokes are my favorite. <laughs> uh, I think the reason is actually, I've always envisioned them like, I have this rather traumatic memory from this water park back in Perth called okay. Adventure World. Mm. And the nature of this uh, water park was mm. one of the water slides is you kind of sit on a mat. Oh, and I, Yeah. And I, for some reason, it's absolute black magic. But mm. when you're on the mat, you mm. just go whizzing down this water slide. Yeah. But if you unfortunately lose your mat... You're kind of stranded in the midst of this slide and the water isn't like strong enough to take you only if you're on the mat. So I know it's so strange. So I have this really traumatic childhood memory of 
being on the mat water slide and falling off my mat. So my mat whizzed away and I was stuck on this water slide. And about 10 seconds later, this rather, how should I say, rotund man uh, zooming along on a mat behind me came and smashed into me. And it just kind of, to me, that is almost akin to an ischemic stroke in that I was the blockage on the water slide and I completely backed up the entire water slide and there was just complete drama and utter chaos at Adventure World that day. So ischemic strokes are close to my heart. <laughs> Mate, I'm not going to lie to you, big fella. You completely dropped out. <laughs> dropped out oh, no. But that's okay. It looks like it looks like you just kept talking. Typical. Um, <laughs> and I guess we're only going to find out after this recording uh, just the level of shambolic situation. Uh, but what, what, I, what I assume you were trying to say was the fact that when you've got your mat, when everything's okay, you're flying through. Yeah, uh, but but when when situations arise, all of a sudden you lose your mat. And and to be honest, this has happened to me as well, but for a different reason. Um, mm. In the fact that I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm of a what's the word rotund rotund physique compared to your <laughs> slick um, you know slick Santorini uh, olive body. Um, and um, and for me, uh, water parks are a big a big issue because. I always get stuck in the corners and the curves of the tubing mm. when coming down a water slide. So, so whether the mat is there or not, because the mat for me works if there's a certain amount of water, not only in the mat, but around yeah. the mat. You know, it's almost like ball bearings. Um, mm. But And you become one with the mat. But if you put, you know, a lump of meat, like as myself, on top of a mat, the <laughs> internal hydration status of the mat um, actually decreases very quickly because it's almost like wringing out a sponge, um, and then and then the mat goes from being uh, uh, friction reducing to friction increasing, um, mm. and 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 that along with my like I said rotunda figure, um, it can, it can get stuck in any corner in any convolution of the pipe, and that's an, actually an amazing thing because there are there are sort of three types of ischemic stroke, aren't there? Mm. Um, mm. And and. Uh, and uh, do you want to do you want to maybe pick one and work on this on um, this thing of the mat and and things just moving through the pipes and maybe tell us about your favorite type of ischemic stroke which happens to be your favorite type of stroke? Dwayne, I love how hard you've gone into the mat metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think you're totally right. There are probably three mm. types of ischemic strokes that mm. we should talk about. I yeah. think we should also just mention that ischemic strokes constitute 85 percent yeah. of strokes yeah. so i mean if you wanted meat Dwayne, yeah. this is well here it is meat. Here yeah it is. it's right here so anyway the three kinds of ischemic strokes so i think i'll start with the most um common so the most common is a thrombotic ischemic stroke and notice I didn't say thromboembolic, I said thrombotic, because what this is, is essentially you have that atherosclerotic plaque somewhere in your arterial system up near the brain. Mm -hmm. And what happens is as an acute event, it ruptures, yeah. all those um, coagulative factors are released, mm -hmm. um, a thrombus forms, it occludes yeah. the vessel yeah. and you know, Bob's your uncle, uh, you're getting, <laughs> you're getting some ischemia. Yeah. Um, so notice though, that I said thrombotic and not thromboembolic, because mm. this is the case where uh, that clot that forms doesn't yeah. actually move anywhere. So it just occludes the vessel yeah. right where it ruptured. Um, so right. the typical areas for that are at branch points in arteries mm. so we have like the you know internal carotid bifurcation point yeah. or maybe the middle cerebral artery from the circle yeah. of willis those are just mm. classics um yeah. yeah so does that sound good to you Dwayne? if i, I haven't disseminated lies yet no no you're disseminating pure wisdom brother i, I love <laughs> it i love it i'm right on board with that yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to talk about another kind of ischemic yeah, stroke? Yeah. Well, you well you mentioned that you've spoken about thrombotic strokes, 
Um, and, and, and the key point here is that although there is a clot, it's forming directly at the site of the infa, uh, and it's mm. usually over the plaque. The stroke that I want to talk about, uh, the second, uh, the second I mean, in this family subset of ischemic stroke, is the embolic stroke. Um, mm. And once again, uh, you are talking uh, about a clot, uh, but this time the clot has traveled from another part of the body to actually come and lodge itself um, within the piping, within the piping. Mm. Um, so essentially this clot can arise from anywhere, but common common place, places that it can arise from, um, if uh, somewhere in the heart. You know, now if you have conditions like atrial fibrillation, uh, where you don't really have your normal sinus rhythm of your heart, but you've essentially got the... Um, the, the left side of the heart, the atrium of the heart, really, uh, mainly the left atrium, um, sort of fibrillating and, and dancing mm. almost like a, a, a piece of bacon uh, being greased uh, on a pan. <laughs> I was thinking more a belly dancer, but well, uh, we can I mean, do the bacon. Well, I, I, well, it's Sunday, so I'm not allowed to think about belly dancers. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, but we're allowed to think about bacon. But yeah, sure, a belly dancer. Um, and that can really lead to a, a hyper, uh, I guess, I guess, a clotting positive status, um, you know, coming from the chambers of the heart. So your left atrium can throw up a clot. Your left ventricle can throw up a clot. Sometimes the valves itself uh, can throw up a clot. Um, another, another sort of uh, uh, region that you can get this from, uh, and you mentioned bifurcations earlier on, is is the carotid artery bifurcation. Is another is another very popular popular um source mm. for these these clots uh, these that are then going to travel and include the the pipes in the brain uh but one thing that i i only learned about the other day is that we often think about when we think about clots we think about dvts deep vein thrombosis and we often think about once the deep vein thrombosis starts to migrate it's going to end up in the pulmonary circuit isn't it because it tracks through the vena cava and comes to the right side and goes to the lungs. But in fact, some people have what we call a patent foramen ovale. So it oh. actually allows it actually allows the clot to move from the right side circulation to the left side circulation. And once that happens, Kevin, it's fair game, and it can it can also go up and and cause and cause um, an ischemic stroke. So I guess that's the second part. Conditions like infective endocarditis, once again, that's affecting the infecting the valves. Um, or infecting the inner lining of the heart can also be a source of um, of these clots that are then going to travel. Uh, the third, the third type came, and I'm going to let you take this one. It's something that I didn't, you don't really think about, but but it's mm. quite a, it's quite an interesting interesting manifestation. So what is that third type? Yeah, look, Dwayne, I think we've definitely covered the meat, but this definitely earns a mention. So. Yeah. Um, the thing is, we've been talking about, you know, blockages mm. uh, to in the vasculature to the brain, which yeah. would cause ischemia mm. to the brain tissue. But um, we also need to consider the situation where you just literally don't have that much blood in the pipes mm. at all. And yeah. that can kind of happen when you have, you know... Um, uh, systemic hypoperfusion um, and that kind of stuff happens with you know our classic shock mm -hmm. um, and yeah if you if you have kind of this hypovolemia or systemic hypoperfusion you can get this global kind of cerebral ischemia mm -hmm. I've never known Dwayne can you clarify is it ischemia or ischemia? Mate, I reckon I reckon it's ischemia that's personally okay what I yeah but 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 you know what there's gonna be someone out there um, mm. That's gonna that's gonna that's gonna sizzle our backsides for saying ischemia. <laughs> so look, this is the world we live in. Ischemia, ischemia. We're just gonna own it how we say it. So I reckon we keep rolling with ischemia. Yes, I phonetically appreciate ischemia more. I think <laughs> so. I'm gonna roll with ischemia. So yeah. yeah, and look, this is quite dangerous, Dwayne, just because mm. um, you can get these massive infarcts as a result called watershed infarcts mm. um which i don't think it's too worth going into too much detail mm. Um, mm. about the types of infarcts but um clearly it's a bad thing if yeah. you're missing heaps of blood uh yeah. so yeah i think that covers kind of the mm. main and another another thing. thing to add there mate you mentioned mm. uh, you know medical or rather you, you mentioned 
physiological or pathological reasons of of hypoperfusion, the main one being shock or cardiac mm. sort of situations, but also it can happen uh, because of medical procedure. Um, so with cardiovascular surgeries, um, sometimes you tend to be on a bypass machine. Um, and, and in fact, the bypass machine quite often, especially as the surgery goes longer and longer and longer, um, your risk or the extent of hyper, cerebral hyperperfusion actually increases. Um, and, and this can also lend itself to getting those watershed uh, infarcts. So that's something also to remember is that it's not just pathological, pathophysiological, but it can also be uh, procedural as well. It's so funny you mentioned that. I swear the more we do medicine, the more we realize that so many issues are of our own making, which is, <laughs> you know, it's not the most uh, exciting thing to learn as, no. as a medical no. student. <laughs> but, um, you know, no. we live to get better. We live to improve. Yes, to and I think that's the thing is that no matter how, one thing that I've realized this year uh, but also before having worked uh, and, and am working as a nurse, is the fact that in medicine and in healthcare, we have come so far, but we always have to guard against thinking that we've got all the answers or that we're perfect. And it's not it's not complacency and arrogance. I think, I think it's a bit worrying when you suddenly uh, get to the stage where you think that, that you've got all the answers and 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 uh this is a great example you know the uh heart lung bypass machine one of the greatest uh i guess revolutionary uh, developments in modern medicine but here we are talking about it possibly contributing um to to uh ischemic strokes uh, just something always to think about how um, how like you said we we aim to we aim to get better and and we shouldn't get bitter at the call for improvement mm, i totally totally agree so what should we talk about next, Dwayne, in our discussion well, of... Well, look, I mean, the, the coolest part about medicine for me is, 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 look, we've talked about the factors, we've talked about the a bit of pathophys, but how do we go about, okay, we've got a patient who's coming with stroke-like symptoms, and, and, and just for the purpose of this, we're going to say, okay, they've got drooping of the face, and they've got, uh, you know, weakened arms, and, 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 and the speech is a little bit weird. My question is, how would we, and from next year onwards and, and in the future, how do we go about actually diagnosing an ischemic stroke? What's the thing? Because like we say, brain and time is tissue, isn't it? We want to get on to uh, sort yeah. of as quickly as possible. So how would we go about diagnosing, for example, diagnosing an ischemic stroke as opposed to the other type we talked about, which is the hemorrhagic stroke? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think that's really important. Um, I think what might be useful actually is how mm. about we do a little run through of yeah. you know someone presents yeah. from the minute they walk in. What do you do? I think that could be oh, good call. Let's let's walk it through. Let's walk. Yeah. Um. So someone comes in. Yeah. And they're presenting with the symptoms of an ischemic stroke. So maybe we should just quickly talk about that. Yeah. Um. So. I have a rather unorthodox way of thinking about how an ischemic stroke presents. Go on, mate. Go on. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I, I think of it as kind of how you feel at love at first sight, which <laughs> almost feels like a disrespectful way to remember this. Not almost. Because I think the four... Okay, the first thing we need to note about this is you're going to be getting neurological deficits, yep. but those deficits depend on which vessel is affected, mm -hmm. which I think we should talk about later. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those kind of deficits you're going to get, are, I think the most important ones are you're going to get, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. the weakness and paralysis, mm -hmm. the paresthesia, which yep. means pins and needles, yep. and the classic is um, aphasia, so you're having word selection or production issues, yeah. and dysarthria, which is kind of similar, but it's more about the mechanical production of the sure. words. Sure. So in that sense, I kind of think, you know, you, you're, you're out and you see a girl that you mm. really, you know, you want to mm. talk to her, but, you know, you're feeling a bit weak. Again, you're feeling tingly Ooh. and you know your mouth's tripping over itself you're just yeah, saying yeah. all the wrong things um so yeah that's kind of how i remember it um anyway so someone comes in Dwayne. they've got 
you're thinking they're either in love or yeah. they're having an ischemic stroke. That's and, um, you're not a narcissistic person, I know, no. Dwayne. So you wouldn't think they're in love with you. You'd think, okay, this person's probably having a stroke. Yes, um, yes. What is the first thing that you would do, do you think? I would, I would, I would confirm that they're not in love with me. I think I, <laughs> I would start to sing some Brian McKnight, uh, maybe a bit of a bit of back to one. What you like a dream come true? No, but uh, that, and and by this stage, if they if they seem to still be in that situation, then they're probably having a ischemic stroke. A good thing to remember as well, Kevin, is that those are focal neurological symptoms mm. and signs that you've discovered, but also sometimes. You can, they can be reporting, or the or the family, or the ambulance, or whoever brings them in, could be reporting non-specific signs as well. Um, mm-hmm. The likes of vomiting, uh, the fact mm-hmm. that they've got a headache, they're feeling nausea. You know, those are the things that can happen at any time: de- dehydration, infection, whatever. Uh, but but amongst the you know, but, but uh, at the background of the constellation of these neurological symptoms, that may uh, sort of help you. To further strengthen your 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 clinical suspicion that this is an ischemic stroke, because if someone's nauseous and vomiting and has got a headache, they're probably probably not not in love with you. I think is the I think is a key thing to to remember. That is actually such a good point, Dwayne. <laughs> Usually, they do not you do not vomit around. No. Your, actually, you know what? It depends how deeply you've fallen in love. You know, this you can true. be nervous, but this the true. headache the headache and Potential seizures. Maybe we'll draw the line there. I think. But I've never, I've never, I've never. I don't think. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I've, I've fallen in love before, but I don't think I've ever fallen, fallen such in love that there is a oral evacuation of my gastric contents. <laughs> Dwayne, I, I live in the hope that you will one day meet oh, a girl oh, that strikes remember. you that hard. <laughs> I, I don't think. I don't think anyone in, in, in the Indian arranged marriage era. <laughs> Ever vomited that bad, but no, I will let you know. Uh, but oh, that being said, Kevin, your initial question was: now that we think these are the clinical features, and that we're thinking, mm. where do we go to next uh, in terms of diagnosis? Right? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that's a very important question. I think. There we go. Oh. So, so like we said, you know, before we spoke about the fact that brain tissue and saving it, like any really critical tissue of the body, it's all about reducing that time where there's no blood flow uh reduce mm. because because time is tissue so the first thing we want to do and usually that we do is we do a non-contrast head ct now it's a, this is a pretty sort of very common in every most emergency departments i would almost say every emergency department to be honest and what the head ct is going to show you is not the fact that it proves that it's an ischemic stroke directly from what you see, but the fact is we're trying to rule out that it's not a hemorrhagic stroke. We're trying to rule out the hemorrhagic stroke. The reason for that is is that the CT scans and the ischemic changes that are with these ischemic strokes, you can't actually pick them up until at least six hours plus or minus post, um, I guess, Mm. decreased blood flow. But in terms of a hemorrhagic stroke and that pooling of blood, and 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 uh, if it was a hemorrhagic stroke and it's coming out of these you know these high pressure arteries that are in the brain these pipettes, you can pick that very white area of 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 blood, and that will change your management dramatically. Because as we'll get into a little bit further, Kevin, uh, um, a little bit later rather, the management of an ischemic stroke could not be more different uh, than the management to a hemorrhagic stroke. So I reckon. The first thing that we can do is to do that head CT, the non-contrast head CT, and in that way that we've ruled out the hemorrhagic stroke. But if we have a bit of time, or if we have not even a bit of time, but if we are working at a very well-supplied hospital in terms of radiography, what's mm. a good imaging test that you would suggest that would confirm uh, that it is an ischemic stroke rather than working out, oh, I want to negate hemorrhagic? Ooh, I'm not sure. Are you referring to, I think they sometimes do MRIs yeah. if they want to get a yeah. better idea of what's going on. Mm. Is that mm. correct? That's it, brother. That's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I think another important one with ischemic strokes that they do mm. is, um, oh, what's it called? CT angiography, I okay. think. Okay. And that's basically they're mapping out 
the vasculature. And mm. usually if there's a blockage somewhere, you'll get, it'll show up on this uh, scan. Mm. So if they decide for whatever reason, I think they need to go in there and do something yep. know, like surgically, mm. um, we can come back to that. Uh, they know exactly where it is. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. So there's a fair bit of imaging that needs to be done, but I mm. think the real meat of it is mm. that first point you made is they come in, you think they're having a stroke. The first question is, is this ischemic or hemorrhagic? Cause yeah. that is going to completely change the trajectory you take with your management. That's it. Right. That's yeah. it. That's it. So do you want to tell me about, so let's say I've come in, you do the head CT, yeah. you see that there's no white hyperdense mass. So you're, mm. you're going, okay, it's probably not hemorrhagic. I'm thinking yeah. this is an ischemic stroke. Yeah. Um, and you do an MRI or something mm. or a CT angiography and you, yeah. you're, pre- you're, like, you're pretty sure it's an uh, ischemic stroke. Mm. What are you going to do now, Dwayne? You've got to say, oh, sorry, I missed the most important part. You confirmed yep. I wasn't in love with you. Oh well, I look. I'm going to leave that to interpretation because after I say the <laughs> line, you might you might be even more. Uh, but no, you're totally right, mate. So so essentially, where we come from, we know it's a stroke. We know it's not hemorrhagic. So that means we're now talking about a blockage of intact pipes rather than the bursting of a pipe. So essentially, mm-hmm. what we want to do is that quite simply, when I used to get stuck in the water slide. Um, the the <laughs> attendant used to reach with a long brush almost, and 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 just but just but just push me, just 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 push me down past the occlusion, so I would I would be able to go down and and, and fall into the puddle below. So essentially, and, and and that's a very sort of grotesque, simple way of putting it. But this is what we <laughs> are in medicine. We keep it simple. So essentially, what you want to do is that your first port of call is you want to stop. And there's a bit of argument about this, but I would say is that you want to get rid of the existing clot, so you want to bust that clot, but at the same time, you want to put your body or the patient's body into a state where they're not going to be making more clots. So essentially, in terms of stopping the body from making more clots, a lot of emergency departments, and we've got to say that different emergency departments do this differently, they like Mm -hmm. to administer something like aspirin. So we're not going to go all the way to warfarin. We're just going to go aspirin. Um, and aspirin is going to stop the formation of further clots. So it's going to decrease the chance of further clots forming. It's not going to do anything for the existing clot, but it's going to stop uh, further clots from forming. And now with talking about the existing clot, um, you essentially want to bust it. And a very common, common, I guess, family of drugs or whatever is called TPA, which stands for Tissue Plasminogen activator now mm-hmm. the really important thing to know about this and this feeds into us and drilling that whole thing about time as tissue is that mm-hmm. this drug works well in the or best in the very acute phase post that blockage i'm talking about less than 4.5 hours after the onset of your symptoms so if it's a fresh clot it's going to do its best because then we're not going to talk about how it breaks it down but essentially you are activating a very important clot-busting um, component, uh, essentially, of what is your normal coagulation and, and, and your clotting system. So it's about, it's about for me, it's about um, making sure we're not getting any more clots. Because if you've got something like AF, like atrial fibrillation, in the absolute immediacy of the situation, it's already thrown out one clot. It could throw out another one. You know? So you want to make sure there's no more clots forming. So aspirin is really good for that. But in terms of the clot that's already formed and that's causing this ischemic stroke, you administer your TPA as soon as you can. Of course, once you've made sure that it's not a hemorrhagic, because if you do this with a hemorrhagic, mate, it's, a, it's an absolute, it's an absolute uh, shit show. But mm. you, you, you want to make sure that you bust the clot with the TPA and you stop the formation of further clots by giving uh, the aspirin. Dwayne, I must say it is rather unfortunate that you gave that metaphor of you stuck on the water slide because I think in this context, the kind of (laughs) equivalent of this um, TPA is them kind of flushing the water slide with acid. Um, and (laughs) I really can't think of an alternative. This is taking a turn of the worst. This is taking a turn of the worst. 
No, but you're right, though. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit troubling, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, again, again, we just need to keep reiterating that whole time is tissue mm. situation. So, mm. that's what they call IV thrombolytic therapy. Because, yeah. um, you know, they chuck an IV line in and they are filling you up with this uh, TPA or yep. the the acid for mm. the water slide. That's right. Um, now, I think it this is slightly less meaty, but we could just quickly note that there is another um, method for people where um, I think they present slightly later and for some mm. reason aren't eligible for IV thrombolytic therapy. I think there's this thing called intra-arterial mm. Mm thrombolysis so it's kind of similar but they do mm. it into an artery not a vein because like obviously oh. if possible, they don't want to open up an artery just because it's really high pressure that's yep. why we do iv stuff but um for some yeah i'm not quite sure why but mm. um yeah and i think they tend to use a different thrombolytic agent as well the one i've got written down is, is that they use I don't know. I, I actually think they don't, and mm. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know why I've brought this up. But... Oh, You've led us into a hole. You've led us into a hole. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to... But hey, this is what we do on this channel, is that we present <laughs> you with the meat, and you've got to go and find the onions. It's, it's, it's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. Exactly. Um, and just another treatment, which I think is becoming more and more popular, mm -hmm. um, is this idea of a mechanical thrombectomy. And it, it is what it sounds like, really. Mm -hmm. It's they physically retrieve the thrombus using a yeah. catheter. And it's yeah. really quite incredible, Dwayne. Like, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll open you up. They actually come down usually through the femoral artery, I right. think, and kind of go all the way up through mm -hmm. from the femoral artery. Yeah. And... They'll just from the from the inside just grab onto the clot and uh, retrieve it, which is just once again sometimes the simplest ideas are the best ideas, you know. That's it. Um, and, and not to and not to you know uh, uh, belittle this whole thing about strokes, but it is mind blowing, isn't it? It's mind blowing. <laughs> what, 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 what you are what? terrible. <laughs> Mate, you, just, you just suggested that they're flushing me with acid. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a bloody block toilet. I don't know what's going on. You're so right. You're so right. But the one I guess we want to really stress on, and the one that's stressed to us, is the is the the the, the TPA situation. Mm, mm, yes, that is the mate. As, yes. That is the mate. Okay, yeah. and I think just one other little treatment that we might want to uh, mention is this whole idea of blood pressure management. Mm. So. This is a massive deal for uh, hemorrhagic strokes, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if you've got high blood pressure and you've got a hole in your vasculature, I mean, one plus one equals two, bad That's things right. are going to happen. Right. Uh, but it's kind of interesting because with ischemic strokes, uh, they actually don't mind if your blood pressure is a little bit high. And mm -hmm. the reason for that, Dwayne, is... If your blood pressure is a little bit high, it means it can re-expand um, occluded arteries and things like that and kind of yeah. get that blood flow back to your brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, as with all things, there is an upper limit. So if they've got some real bad hypertension, like we're talking above 220 systolic mm -hmm. or 120 mm -hmm. diastolic, mm -hmm. um, they do kind of prioritize also reducing that blood pressure yeah um yeah but once again the meat is in the tpa that's that, it that's um, it what and, is TPA and, and, and the other again that's a tissue plasminogen activator that's the one that's it that's it yes um and a good thing you've noticed no uh, you've mentioned the uh came in about the blood pressure is the fact that we've not really talked about the the cause and effectors of stroke but there is a lot of modifiable risk factors so mm. in, in sort of once we have started you know dealing with the clot itself uh, doctors and nurses and the healthcare team actually work or should work collaboratively with the patient to try and identify those modifiable, uh, modifiable risk factors and do what exactly that name says to try and modify them so if you know there's a component of smoking you want to maybe encourage some smoking cessation 
you know, blood pressure we've already talked about. Um, one of the blood tests whilst you're taking your bloods out will be looking at the cholesterol, that their their lipid profiles, so making maybe changes there, maybe getting them on, uh, onto some statins. So it doesn't just end with the clot being broken. Um, it, it is, it is that's the acute thing, but uh, a person who has suffered a stroke is going to be under monitoring and management, whether inpatient or outpatient, for, for a decent amount of time. Uh, and that is when we need to be looking at not only making those lifestyle changes as well, a, in addition to, in addition to just you know medicating, medicating. Them. Mm. And the thing about ischemic strokes is they really are a product of cardiovascular issues, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, sure, you have like the five percent that aren't, but mm. you know, like I don't know some uh, embolus that's from some infection or mm. something weird mm. like that. But at the end of the day, so the real risk factors for ischemic strokes are anything that's kind of compromising your cardiovascular system, right? Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, it always comes back to hypertension. Mm. So I think the one thing I've really got out of this is um, keep an eye on your blood pressure. Yeah. And if you do have high blood pressure, make sure you are taking um, that those meds to yeah. manage it because... Yeah. Um, down the line, it can end up with an ischemic stroke. Mm. Mm. Not what you want. Not ideal. Not ideal mm. at all. Um, where where do you want to go from here, big guy? I don't know. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about ischemic stroke. I'm just wondering if it's worth going into the syndromes of like occlusions of different kinds of arteries, or if we should save that for another episode. Mate, what I reckon. I reckon we could touch on it. I yeah. guess very, very superficially, um, just if we talk about, I guess, the main, the main, because you already mentioned the circle of Willis up the front. Um, yeah, so maybe, man. you know, if you get a blockage on each of those branches, what I guess we would be seeing uh, in terms of our patient's presentation. Okay. So I think the to kind of grossly reduce it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you have that, uh, what is it? Oh God, internal carotid artery yeah. uh, coming up in that circle of Willis. Yeah. And it's gonna kind of split three ways. You know, yeah. uh, it gets kind of to that point in the middle of the brain, it goes, okay, uh, it sends a branch, the middle cerebral artery, mm -hmm. another one, the anterior cerebral artery mm -hmm. and the posterior cerebral yeah. artery. Have I spread any lies there? Right, <laughs> I think the posterior <laughs> cerebral comes up from the basilar. Uh, oh, okay, okay. It's all kind of in that area. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but, but one one artery that does, I guess, come from the 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 internal carotid is the lenticular striate artery, which is something that we look over quite a lot. But it actually supplies a lot of your basal ganglia and your internal capsule mm. and stuff like that. But it's okay, really yeah. really for us about the anterior and the middle cerebral artery. Mm. So I think the classic occlusion. Yeah. is that middle cerebral artery yeah. and that is quite unfortunate i don't think it's a coincidence but it supplies a lot of um your brain because mm. it got it kind of fangs out uh laterally if i'm correct i think it correct. travels along the top of that temporal lobe yeah and on the lateral side and yeah. pretty well supplies your a lot of your lateral brain but kind mm. of like you touched on it also on its way there, it supplies a lot of your, you know, like your basal ganglia through yep. those lenticular striate yep. arteries. Yep. Um, so it's the thing I love about the brain, Dwayne, is you can kind of explain the symptoms. You know how it's so topographically oh, arranged? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just beautiful. So I'll, maybe I'll chuck it back on you. Yeah. Um, for a middle cerebral artery yeah. occluded uh, ischemic stroke mm. what kind of um clinical features are you going to get yeah i mean so the middle cerebral and you talked about topography and 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 you know the homunculus and stuff like that mm. but what we're going to see with the middle cerebral artery is we're going to see contralateral paralysis and sensory loss so if this is happening on the right side we're going to see it on the left but the point is is that it's the contralateral paralysis and sensory loss of the face and the upper limb because that yes. is that is what the middle cerebral artery uh, supplies. In addition to that, if it is affecting the left hemisphere, 
then obviously that's where a lot of your speech centers and stuff is, you know, language dominant and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so right. you may get you may get some elements of aphasia as well mm-hmm. if it is affecting that. And um, if it is affecting the right side, the non-dominant, so the non-dominant is really important for parietal occipital association, where you are in space and time, all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. if it is affecting the right side of that, uh, of the, the right hemisphere, then you're going to get some hemi-neglect as well. Right. That is a astounding syndrome, that hemi-neglect. It's quite amazing. If you haven't seen it, definitely look up a YouTube video mm-hmm. of it because they just completely ignore one right. side of their kind of perception. Which That's is it. And they're not being rude. They've just possibly got it <laughs> <wounded> right. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not like, it's not like you're sitting across someone on the That's bus it. that you really don't want to interact with. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the middle cerebral. So can you can you maybe tell me then, my anterior cerebral, you talked about that. Uh, what would we see, like you said, and in, in explaining the and what you see, you're actually explaining what areas it supplies. So, what would I be seeing if there was a blockage of that artery? Yeah. So, look, you mentioned Dwayne medial. Oh God, me, uh, not medial. What's it called again? Middle. The middle cerebral artery is yeah. supplying your lateral uh, brain. And yeah. the thing about that is, your lateral. The more lateral you go in the brain, the more you move from your lower limbs to Mm. your upper limbs and then Mm. to your face. It's quite nicely arranged like that. So that's why you said, you know, you're getting that lower half of the face and the arms affected for the middle cerebral artery. That's right. And the thing about the anterior cerebral artery is it's kind of supplying all your medial brain, Mm. especially in the frontal and parietal Mm. lobes. So quite, it maps perfectly kind of. So... Um, you get still getting sensory and weak, uh, sensory and like issues and muscle weakness because you're affecting, you know, that motor cortex and that uh, sensory cortex. Yeah. But because it is the medial aspect of uh, the cortex, mm-hmm. um, now if you just think about that homunculus arrangement, yeah. um, you're hitting those lower limbs now. Right. So. Um, and I just want to mention that obviously it's not um, going to present textbook every time mm-hmm. you it, like, you know, a middle cerebral artery occlusion can still get you lower limb loss. Yeah. But it's just that idea that it'll probably lean towards one kind of textbook presentation yeah. over the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So if, if you're seeing lower limbs predominantly, you're, yep. you're going to be suspicious of that anterior cerebral artery. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Does that sound good to you? That, sound, that sounds meeting, brother. That sounds <laughs> That sounds meaning to me. <laughs> All right, beauty. And what about, uh, how about you take us home then with the last one? Yeah, so the posterior cerebral artery, we know that one. So that obviously, as the name suggests, makes the posterior circulation. Um, and and uh, whereas the other two, anterior and middle, come from the internal carotid, the posterior is actually coming through your vertebral arteries, which becomes your basilar artery, and then your terminal branch of your basilar artery is the posterior cerebral artery. And it really takes care of the back side of the brain, the back and the inferior part of the brain. And the, the, the main thing I like to think about here, because there's all these big words and regions it goes to, is that it really supplies the occipital lobe. And in the mm. occipital lobe, lobe rather there is once again a lot of things but the one thing i think about is that you've got your primary visual cortex uh back there so if you're going to have a blockage of your posterior cerebral artery um you're gonna you're gonna be depending on which side of his left side or right side you're gonna get contralateral hemianopia uh you know so Mm. you, you start you're gonna start to get areas of your vision field uh, that are gonna that are gonna be uh, that are gonna be compromised, and if it's a really bad blockage, uh, that's gonna be affected uh, as well. And and one one thing to also remember with the posterior circulation is we talk about a, a very famous, I guess, syndrome is the locked in syndrome, uh, the one where you've got you know essentially the person seems to be aware of what's going on, but they're, they're pretty much quadriplegic, you know, or they they right. the eye movements are gone and they are locked in. And this mm-hmm. is a stroke, this is a bit of an additional thing, is that this is a stroke of the basilar artery. 
So it's the the clot or the thrombus or the embers or whatever it is has not lodged, uh, you know, come out of the roundabout and gone into the posterior cerebrals. It's actually stuck in the main the main highway, and that really is a terrible, terrible um, sort of place to have it because once you've got a basilar artery stroke, um, you're you're really you're really affecting uh, multiple areas of that brainstem and the posterior mm. cerebrum. Um, and then you're in a lot of trouble. But yeah, the posterior cerebral artery, uh, think visual symptoms. Think visual symptoms because it is supplying the occipital lobe just in the back yes. of the brain. I think it's I think it's also worth mentioning that um visual symptoms definitely aren't pathognomic to the posterior mm. cerebral mm. artery. Like um because you know with that visual pathway, it does kind of pass through the thalamus. That's um it. And the thalamus is supplied by the, for example, the M, the middle cerebral artery. Yep. So you yep. can still get visual issues kind of with any of them. Um, I, you definitely shouldn't diagnose the vessel from their symptoms. Correct. But it's, yeah, Correct. I just think in the context of a, maybe a med school exam yes. or perhaps just like, you know, your clinical suspicion, you want yep. to be on top of things. I um, mean, it's, it's kind of good to have an understanding of stuff like this. Um and yeah, just with that posterior cerebral artery, because it does go back in that direction, you are mm. starting to get towards that brain stem, like you said, yeah. um, and you can get into some real trouble there. And there's yeah. a few classic syndromes for the midbrain yes. that, you, that you mentioned, but That's I think right. that would be a whole nother oh, podcast yeah. series almost. <laughs> yeah. It really um, would. It really would. It definitely not meat. That is more of no. a rice. That's right. That's MD4. <laughs> I didn't even know, bro. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've covered I think Is that everything? Is there I anything else you want to do? I think that's everything. I think that's everything. Wow. Hey, that, that was so much meat. That was a lot so of meat. much meat. That might, that, that might lend itself to some hypertension in itself. Um, <laughs> but, but hey, hey, do as we say, not as we do, I guess. Well, Dwayne, I think. I've had a great time this sesh. I'm That's glad good. we've recorded it for once. So I don't I will I will never go back and listen to this though because I just hate the sound of my voice. Well but I, I do like I love the sound of your voice and I love the sound of mine. So I might this is, this is, um, this is my way of making sure that when I say I'm hearing voices, they're actually good voices. So um yeah, I will definitely listen to it as long as you haven't absolutely butchered, excuse the meat reference.